Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. This is, this is what I heard my spirit, and I, I texted this to Fred today. Um, what I heard my spirit was from breakdown to breakthrough. From breakdown to breakthrough. And um, I can speak to this because it's fresh right now. It's fresh. Uh, you ever had a moment where you wanted to break down? For whatever the reason might be. Maybe loss, frustration, disappointment. Anybody? Or maybe you just messed it up. Maybe that, I can raise my hand on all of those. Uh, but there's, there's something that can take us from the place of breakdown into the place of breakthrough. And I think what's interesting about it is when you find out the two are oftentimes closely interconnected. Are you hearing me? I know it's Friday night, right? Most of us, anybody have a history in here where you were partying on Friday nights? Anybody? So here we are Friday night. Come on, guys. Man, it's, it's 824. Some of y'all were just starting to get ready on a Friday night. Just starting to get ready. Because I got to be somewhere at 10 tonight to start. Don't y'all get tired on me on a Friday. Now, come on now. <laughs> so we're going to talk about from breakdown to breakthrough. Uh, so we're, we're going to just explore a little bit in Acts chapter 16. And I may read some of these verses. I may not. But you guys, you should be familiar with this account. If you're not, we're going we're gonna to jump on this a little bit. And um, yeah, so we're just going to see where it goes. Lord, we just thank you for the word tonight. I thank you that the words that I speak, they're not just words, but they're spirit and that they're life, that they're seed sown. And Lord, I thank you tonight, this ground is fertile. Not only the ground that is this house, but the people in this house and Lord, when good seed meets good ground, it's a match made in heaven. And so, Lord, I thank you for that tonight. The harvest is going to be heavenly. I pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so from breakdown to breakthrough, such was the case with Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. En route to a prayer meeting. So again, go and read those verses. You maybe can do a little Bible study this weekend. They're on their way to a prayer meeting. They, they had some things breaking out in Philippi. They're traveling around that area in Macedonia. They're seeing God show up. So in this particular instance, this is around verse 14. They're on their way to pray for this young lady named Lydia. And Lydia, this is an interesting lady. Uh, we find out she's a fortune teller. It says that she had the powers of divination. And, uh, and, and it's interesting. They meet her and she's rebuked by Paul because she started to mock Paul and Silas. And, you know, hey, these are men of God. Uh, whatever, show me what you got. And so they, they showed her what they had. And so Paul commanded the evil spirit to come out of her and she was set free. So you see the setup. This is what we call, this is camp meeting. This is glory time right now. We're walking in the room. Someone makes fun of us. and We say, come out in Jesus name. And they're free, right? And everybody's falling out and we got, come on, putting towels over people, covering them up because they're laying on top of each other. Revival meetings. But then we find out something about Lydia. 
Okay, because not everyone is going to celebrate her freedom, especially the people that were pimping out her gift. Okay, because we find out she was a slave and her masters found out. Wait a second. She is free now. She no longer uh, works in the spirit of divination. And so we don't get to get our kickback off of her psychic abilities. Yeah, okay. A lot of times you're just minding your business, pleasing God, doing what he's created you and purposed you to do. And in your world, it's all looking good. But someone behind the scenes says, who do you think you are? You're messing with my business, quite literally. And so they get upset and they had sway in that area. They had sway in Philippi. And so Paul and Silas, in the middle of a prayer revival, get thrown in prison. Right? Thrown in jail. Several years ago, I had the privilege of actually going to Philippi and seeing where they believed Paul and Silas were actually thrown in jail. It's not a jail like what we think. It wasn't like a four-story cinder block building with, you know, metal bars on the windows. Actually, more than likely, it was a large cistern where they would store water and pitchers of water. And the reason they believed this is where it was is it was right outside of one of their temples where they worshiped pagan gods. And so that thought intrigues me. Because if you can imagine, I'm getting ahead of myself, as this story plays out, when they continue to pray and begin to sing, I'm getting way ahead of myself, I believe that the priest in the pagan temple began to hear the hallelujah song of Paul and Silas. We'll get there later. Okay, that, that's just a, it's just a little tidbit for us to ponder. So this ministry duo, this power team, were suddenly thrust from prayer to prison. Now, I know a lot of people personally, people that I love and they love God. If this happened to them, they'd say, that's it. I don't know what's going on. I give up. All I've been trying to do is please God. And now I'm in prison. I'm done. At the place where we want to break down, that's not the place to give up. Because if you can recognize the breakdown is the opportunity for breakthrough, You'll leverage the pressure. Man, I'm talking to myself right now. So if I just need to take a breather, it's on me, okay? When pressure happens, the wisest thing we can do is leverage the pressure. Do we need to break it down? We'll break it down. We've got time, right? You think about anything where pressure is required. You know, I think about a, a handgun, for example. There's tremendous pressure in that moment that causes the projectile to come into the barrel. It doesn't resist the pressure. The pressure is leveraged. Most of us don't understand the purpose of our pressure. It's not because God's out to get you. It's not because he's in a bad mood. Come on. He wants you to be elevated. Elevated. Now, I get it. It's, it feels backwards, though, because Paul and Silas, the picture of their elevation means they had to go down before they could go up. Y'all, are you OK? I feel like this side's maybe listening a little bit. This side's like we're maybe we're all right. It's all right. 
You think about Joseph. We know Joseph, his trajectory was for the throne of Egypt. But before he could get there, he had to go down. This generation especially, and I'll say myself, I'll include myself in this generation, we just want to go up. We don't want to go down. But there's some things that only down can teach you to prepare you for the pressure and the responsibility of what's next. I would love it if our entire experience was, I was I've born rule, I ruled, I, I've had it all, silver spoon in the mouth, praise God, it's always been good. I pray that's your testimony. But I'm pretty sure it's not. Because you cannot learn in that environment. Okay? Are we tracking? Okay, so let's think about it. On the way for what God has for you, on the way for what you know is the plan and purpose of God. There's a detour in the well-constructed plans. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm also talking to prevail right now too. I'm talking to the house that is prevail, right? Has there been any detours in the well-constructed plans? Has there been any, whoa, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I thought we'd be further along. I thought this would all play out differently. I didn't know that people that loved me would turn their back on me, whatever. There's a lot to it. And although painful, such times are common in the life of every believer. And when I say that, I don't rejoice in the fact that it's common. I'm just telling you it's the truth. So when hardship comes, when our well-constructed plans have detours, don't give up. Don't give up. Because your breakthrough is close at hand. So what do you do when you're passing from one season in life to another? When it's 11.59 p.m., it's almost midnight. What do you do when everything's about to change? And that's really what separates the men from the boys, the women from the girls, is the response at the midnight hour. Okay? Transition occurs, not because God is taken by surprise. I want you to understand that. He has an end in mind. But some of our theology has made that a little weird because we just feel like, well, because he has an end in mind, he controls all things. And because he controls all things, he causes all things. And if you believe God causes all things, I have problems with that. Because the same God who is only love can also seem very horrific and very terrible. Are we okay? Uh, did I already step it on toes? Sovereignty is not control. Sovereignty that is defined as supreme power and authority. Why is it as humans, we think sovereignty, why do we think supreme power is the ability to control others? Because that's human lust, that's human desire. I will rule my brother. It's interesting in the dominion mandate, God says rule everything except one another. And that's why the first time we see that authority usurped is when Cain and Abel come to blows. Cain said, I will rule my brother. 
Because we always want to rule the one thing we're told we can't. Right? Are you okay? Are we all right? I'm getting into somebody's business. So we think God's that way. There's this famous quote from a philosopher. I, I love it. It goes this way. God created man in his own image. And man, being a gentleman, returned the favor. A lot of the theology that we preach today is a God that looks like men. Because we have forgotten the gospel of how mankind is supposed to look like him. And we've been, we've been dropped on our head. We got memory loss. We don't know. And so we start to defer. Oh, sovereignty means God's in control. He, he's the puppet master of the universe. No, God's supreme power and authority is not control. It's love. Love. For God so loved that he gave his son. First John 4 says God is love. So how does God share his love at the core of his being? He shares it by becoming it. So God does not just love you like the way we think about love. It's a nice feeling and it's warm and goosebumps and whatever. No, he becomes the very thing that we want, that we need, that we desire. Jesus is God, love in the flesh. Okay, we are on a rabbit trail. Let's get back on track. So the transition is occurring. God has an end in mind, but he's a partner in the journey. Meaning, if you decide to take a detour, God will let you. And guess what? He'll be with you in your detour. Come on, I'm talking about the same God. I will never leave you or forsake you. Is that true or not? Or do we think that's only true when we're, we're jumping through the right religious hoops and we're doing everything asked of us, then does God never leave us or forsake us? Or is it true all the time? It doesn't mean he ordained your detour, but he's with you in your detour. God's like, all right, this is where you want to go. I mean, I'm with you. We're partners in the journey. I can hang with that. That's what love looks like. Keeps no record of wrong. Man, there's a lot of places we could go with that. But I, I want to look at three points. If, if you're a point person, you can jot these down. This, I believe, will help you. When we look at the transition, when we look at this space between breakdown and breakthrough. So first comes the burden. Say the burden. That's the first thing you got to have is a burden. So Paul and Silas, on their way, they didn't know they were on their way to jail, by the way, but on their way to jail, they are praying, ministering. They had this burden to see people set free. But in the midst of burden, they are dragged into the marketplace to face the authorities. And then imagine this, if you go and read the verses, even the crowds began to participate in their humiliation. This was not a private trial. This was public. They were beaten and stripped, even thrown into prison. But they were not alone. Life's transitions may leave you feeling attacked. You may indeed be beaten and stripped of your spiritual and personal dreams. 
It may seem as though layers of divine protection have disappeared. You ever felt that way? Oh God, where are you? Your hand of protection's been taken from me. It's funny the ways that we communicate to God in seasons of desperation. This stripping simply means that God is taking off the old and he is exposing you to the new. New life, new assignments, new trajectory. Do you see our perspective is so key in all this? So that's point one. First comes the burden. And then what comes next? The birthing. The birthing. Come on, we're, we're, we're in a launch weekend, an expansion weekend, a grand opening weekend. This did not happen by itself. Right, Fred? If there's anybody I can ask, I can ask Fred and Aaron. I know that for sure. But I know a lot of you know it didn't happen by itself. First, it was a burden, a burden for a house in Taylor's called Prevail Church. And what has happened in that space of burden? Everything possible. Well, not everything possible, but a lot of things. Beaten, stripped, humiliated. People come, go, I'm with you, support you, gone. All in the place of burden. Then comes the place of birthing. And before you think I'm only talking about a space, the space is down the list. I'm talking about people. Every minister has a womb. Doesn't matter if it's a man or not. Women, we know biologically how they birth. Men birth from the heart. You're okay right now. Can I prove it to you? When Jesus is pierced in his side, it says that blood and water began to flow. And after that, we begin to hear about the church. You've never heard the word church before the work of the cross. It only came after. Why? Because when his side was pierced, his heart was pierced, blood and water began to flow. The same way blood and water flow when women give birth, when his heart was pierced, blood and water began to flow, and he birthed the church. See, he had a womb as well, but it was his heart. So every minister, male or female, have a womb. They are pregnant. They desire to birth something. The dream, the vision, the promise. And oftentimes, at the place of our greatest travail, no one else is there. And that shouldn't surprise us. You don't let everybody into the birthing room. Come on. You only let the people in that have been with you before you got pregnant. The people that were there, you trusted them when there was no proof of what was coming. Oh, you know what? You can come. You can be a part of this. Not everyone's invited to the place of birthing. Everyone wants to be at the dedication, and that's all right. But you don't get to be in the room with me. Right? Yeah, okay. So then comes the birthing. To be beaten means God is molding us into his image. To be beaten. Can you picture the anvil? Can you picture the smith? And, and he begins to, to hit on the, the steel. It's not to destroy us. It's not to discourage us. It's to fashion us. And not just into any image. To his image. His likeness. Jeremiah 18, 6 says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. 
Have you ever thought about God that way? You're, you're a lump of clay and he's just doing what he's got to do. But it's not meant to humiliate or hurt. It's meant to fashion you into an image. Come on. You think of a muscle. There's some muscles in here. There's a few of you guys that got the hat right there. He's got a few of them. Yeah, Fred's got a few of them. I'm trying. I'm, I've got to catch up. But you think of a muscle. Have you ever had a really good workout, but the next morning you felt the work? You guys all right? Your muscles go through a breakdown stage. That's what you feel. The soreness is there because fibers in your muscles begin to tear apart. And as they rebuild, it hurts. But this stage is critical for growth. Y'all, man, this is so good. Without the muscles tearing down, they could not rebuild themselves bigger. They would stay the same. Or if you don't use them long enough, something called atrophy begins to set in and you can start losing muscle mass. You want to keep it, you got to work it. You want to grow it, you got to tear it. Man, that right there, you should put it on a t-shirt. See, some of us, we're wondering why we can't even keep it. It's because we're not doing the bare minimum to keep it. If you want to keep it, you got to work it. You want to grow it, you got to tear it. In the tearing, in the beating, the trajectory begins to shift. Hmm. So it was humiliating enough for Paul and Silas to suffer. But why did the crowd have to participate? That's what bothers me. The crowd begins to participate. You know, oftentimes our transitions, our shifts in seasons are similar. It's not enough to suffer in silence and privacy. Sometimes it seems as though our most broken moments are put on public display. It's tough. Paul and Silas were confined to prison, but at about midnight, perhaps it was 11.59 p.m., their confinement birthed their true assignment. Prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. In the midst of confinement, they blessed the Lord. The word hallelujah means God be praised. We, we sang it tonight, I'll raise the hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I'll raise the hallelujah. I'll watch darkness flee. I'd like to add a line that I'll raise the hallelujah when all hell's against me. I'll raise the hallelujah when I stick my foot in my mouth. I'll raise the hallelujah when I mess up, intentionally mess up. I, because what else do I have? Fred was saying, some of us, we complain in worship. We just complain and stop complaining. Just praise him. Praise him even if it's dark outside. Praise him even if it hurts. Praise him if you're ashamed. Praise him. God be praised. Lasting change is birthed out of pain, and it's often filled with isolation. I know this is not like a shout-me-down message. I get it. But there's no better time to feel God's presence than during your spiritual 11.59 p.m. A lot of what we call presence, especially in the corporate atmosphere, is not the same kind of presence I'm talking about right now. 
most of us, myself included, we enjoy and we coast on the corporate anointing. Come on, that's what Psalm 133 talks about. There's a place of commanded blessing where brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that is poured on the head of Aaron and it flows down the beard, down to the corners of his garments, right? The place of commanded blessing, the place of corporate unity. What does that mean? You can come in here feeling terrible, upset, frustrated, and before praise and worship is over, oh, I raise a hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. I feel his presence. You're probably feeling the anointing of your family. And if you're smart, you'll understand that you're coasting on their anointing. <laughs> At some point, as we grow and mature, we start making a decision. I will not coast on my family's anointing. I'll be a part of the anointing. I will come like the church in the book of Acts. I will come heavy laden with gifts. I'll bring prophecies. I'll bring words. I'll bring encouragement. Hey, you need, you need to, I got gifts. Come on, pastor, use them. And we become an active part of what everyone else is carrying in the atmosphere. But this, what this presence I'm talking about, this is different. The 11.59 p.m. presence is when you get down into the depths of who you are and you discover that God lives in there. He lives there in the dark places. He lives there in that place you don't want anybody to see or touch and he's there in the moment. During these times, praise God for who he is. If you don't know what else to say, just thank you for your goodness, thank you for your grace. You've never failed me. You've never forsaken me. Or maybe just hallelujah. A lot of times that's all I, I just sing that word because I don't know what else to say. God be praised. And also this helps recall past victories. I, listen, no matter how sad your story is, you haven't lost your whole life. I know you haven't. You have moments you can look to where you had something happen. A big deal, a breakthrough, where you saw God faithful. Where he rescued you, he rescued somebody you knew. You shouldn't be here, but you're still here. Recall the past victories. And in spite of how you feel or what you see, praise him for his promises. Your worship will promote stability and assurance. And then finally, point three. So what are the points? First comes the burden. Second comes the birthing. Third comes the breakthrough. Are we tracking? Third comes the breakthrough. Paul and Silas begin to pray and they begin to praise. You can, again, go and read this in Acts 16. Paul and Silas begin to pray and praise and it calls tremors in the realms of darkness. Not just talking about spiritual darkness either. It was a literally dark place. Suddenly, we're told an earthquake began to shake the building and the doors were opened. It was not their burden that caused these doors to open. It was not even their birthing that caused these doors to open. It was lifting up their song of hallelujah. God be praised that calls the doors to open. Explosive breakthroughs will come in your life as you continue to lift up the name of Jesus. 
And these breakthroughs bring favor. Not that God's withholding, but it releases favor into your life. It releases his plans for you. And when I say that even, it's more about our revelation of his plans. Your praise doesn't cause him to change course. It causes our eyes to be open. Soon, your doors will swing open. Come on. Chains will fall off. And those standing by will marvel at your life. Can you imagine it again? Just before they were praying, bring victory, deliverance to this wonderful young lady. And then publicly humiliated, beaten, stripped, thrown in prison. And that's something. And now here they are singing in jail. Breakthroughs begin to happen. It's amazing. And then we, we find out the warden and the prisoners are standing there marveling. Who are these people? Who are these men? When we become a testimony of God's faithfulness during painful transitions, not only are we blessed, but others will observe our breakthroughs and will be touched by our release. It's one thing to be blessed when everything's beautiful. It's another thing to be blessed in our desperate moments. Because I've found when you're blessed in the place of desperation, those watching, they get blessed too. They're like, well, I, I didn't see that coming. That, okay, oh, I can trust God. I can trust God at that level. Because you see where they were? They were in prison singing. And, and God set them free. Sign me up. Okay. Desperation will prompt others to ask, as the jailer did, what must I do to be saved? I could probably talk about how a lot of the issues we have in the modern church is we have promoted a message above moments of worship. So we said, if you'll just listen to what I teach you, then maybe you'll believe you should be saved one day when maybe they just need to observe you praising in a place of pressure. And then they'll come to you asking, what must I do to be saved? This should not be strange to us. People ask Jesus the same thing. But why did they ask him how could they be saved when he demonstrated to them what life in the kingdom looked like? He didn't say, if you'll just believe, then this will all be great. No, he said, just come and see. Most of us, we have a message because we don't have an experience that we can share. In other words, come on, trust me, you, you, I know you'll love God, just sign up for it. And our marriages are falling apart, our kids hate us, and they're like, if that, if, eh. But now begin to show them what the goodness of God looks like. Even that stuff to me, we're not too excited about, like enduring hardship with joy. Listen, there are more people watching you go through a storm than you realize. But they want to see how you're going to do it. Because I know they talk about Jesus and they talk about how he's good. But what about in moments that aren't good? And that's when you begin to show them his goodness is not dictated by good situations. No, he's good no matter what the situation. Wow. Oh, so you mean to tell me you believe more in him than you believe in the stuff happening around you? Yeah, that's, that's kind of how this has to work. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's not the real deal. Okay. 
The passage in Acts concludes with the jailer restoring Paul and Silas as the magistrate sent the word to release them. You know, I, I, I don't want to skip this. When the prison shakes and the doors are open, the first response of the warden was, well, I, I probably should go ahead and kill myself because when, when they find out what's happened, they're going to kill me anyway. And Paul and Silas stop him and say, wait, don't do that. We're still here. I was thinking about if I were in that situation. <clears throat> Jail opens up, doors out, I'm out of there. I've hit the road, thank you Jesus, free at last, free at last. I would not have cared one minute what that warden was going through. But Paul and Silas knew, listen, they, if you can receive this, they're going to pray for people, they heal Lydia, that was on purpose, they're thrown to prison, the purpose was not to be in prison. The purpose was for that warden. I believe it with all my heart. Because the Lord knew for anyone to reach him, they got to do it from the inside out. And I got two people that I know are going to do this. Because no matter where they go, they're still going to raise the hallelujah. Guys, they could have checked out. But they said, no, wait, don't do that. We're still here. Because listen, even though they were in prison, they were free. Are you hearing me right now? Paul and Silas were locked in jail, but they were free. So they didn't have to run when the doors opened. They didn't have to, what they want? They wanted to share their freedom. With who? The guy running the jail. Are y'all all right? Come on. Y'all do know this is what the Christian experience is supposed to be all about. That I share my experience. I don't just say I love you, I show you that I love you. I don't just say I'm there for you, I show you that I'm there for you. I don't just say I'll pray, I pray. I don't just say if you need me, I'm there, I show up. Man. In my experience, I've met more Christian, non-Christian people oftentimes that I've met Christian, Christian people. <laughs> Are you all right? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I used to work in the food service industry years ago and some of the best, I still have those relationships today, almost 17 years later. And these are people, man, they, went, they got your back in a knife fight. They're like, we got you. And, but they don't care a thing about Jesus. They don't care a thing about faith. But I know if I needed them for that very specific set of skills, I know they'd be there for me. And they'll invite you to your weddings, invite you to their businesses. They love on you. They, and they know who you are. Oh, we know you're a pastor. Are you okay hanging out with us? Absolutely. Okay. When the clock strikes 11.59 p.m., Know that it's time to rejoice. Prevail is in a place of rejoicing. But do you know that it's time? Do you know that it's time? Because we're rejoicing, but it's dark outside. Come on, every day starts at night. Y'all know this. This isn't profound revelation. Every day starts at midnight. Midnight is the darkest of the day. Did you know you can be two feet deep, waist deep in a brand new day, but you don't see any hope of light. And the Spirit's like, if you just hold on for a minute, 
The sun's going to do what it does. And you're going to see that you're in a brand new day, a brand new season. But don't give up. Raise your hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you're in a period of burn, a burden or birthing. Remember that explosive breakthroughs are born around midnight. Well, so then let the celebration begin. Let the hallelujah begin. I want to tie this in. Do, do I have a little more time? Okay, I want to tie this in. We also see this beautifully in the ministry of Jesus at the work of the cross. And we could go through, I could take you and trace you through the burden of Jesus, the birthing, and then the place of breakthrough. But again, it doesn't look like what we think it should. Because the place of his breakthrough was when he gave up his life. See, I don't know what we think breakthrough is. I guess we, we think it's always like, you know, I got a new car. Oh, breakthrough. Or I got a new promotion. Breakthrough. Certainly can be breakthroughs. But the way Jesus broke through, the ultimate breakthrough was when the veil that was his flesh was torn so that we could come boldly into the throne room of grace. I mean, that's not breakthrough. I don't know what is. And we know that Jesus was intentional to this purpose. He says earlier in the Gospels, he says, no man can take my life from me except I give it to him freely. In other words, you don't get to pull a fast one on Jesus. He gave his life because he wanted to. So you can argue about who took his life. The Romans killed him. The Jews killed him. Whatever decision you come up with, go for it. The point is, no one could take it from him. Except he gave it freely. So... He's on the cross. He's at the place of the greatest breakthrough. And just like Paul and Silas, just like his father David, we see him begin to raise a hallelujah. Did you miss that? You know, he was singing on the cross. He was singing his hallelujah song. Did y'all know that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, that was a song. Did you know that's a song? I believe he sang it. And it's a song we've heard before. You guys okay? Psalm 1, so 133, we talk about place commanded blessing. But you go into Psalm 22 and you begin to find this song. And, okay, you guys, if you think I'm making it up, let's, let's look at it. If you got your Bibles, I know that's old school to actually have your Bible in front of you. Let's take a look at it. Psalm, one, Psalm 22, starting at verse 1. See how, if this sounds familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was singing the song that his father David began. And the reason he sang the opening verse, you, you, we have to understand, he knew his audience. His audience, they knew the Psalms. David was the rock star king of Israel. Everyone knew the Psalms, everyone. And so he sings this line because he's short on breath. You guys know this, right? It's painful for him to even utter a few words. He would have to lift himself up off the cross to get air into his lungs. So when he spoke, he weighed and measured every word. So when he raised himself up, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
We think, because we're sure the Bible's all about us, that he's trying to teach us something theologically that we've turned into a nightmare. What's the nightmare? That God can't be in the presence of sin. And so, are y'all all right? And we say, well, of course, he can't be in the presence of sin. He turned his back on Jesus. Because Jesus said, why is he forsaking him? Are y'all right? And then we talk about how God can't be near us when we have sin in us. And I say, prove it. Prove it. If anyone deserved to be separated from God, it would have been Adam and Eve. Because after all, they introduced sin into the world. And so what happened when sin came into the world? God did not run from them. He ran to them. I know I'm messing with somebody right now. Maybe someone watching. I'm sorry. We're serving up sacred cow tonight. He didn't run from their sin. He ran to their sin. He, and listen, he didn't even demand sacrifice from them. He provided sacrifice for them. That's who God has always been. So Jesus was not saying God has forsaken him. He was telling those who are watching what was happening. Can you imagine the devastation, the heartbreak, the trauma, the grief of the moment? And he sings hope to them. Because when he sings that, all of a sudden, everything they learned in school begins to come back to their mind. And they say, oh, that's Psalm 22. And if you go and read it, it's a beautiful psalm. It's a messianic psalm. Let's look at how this psalm ends. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the kindreds of the nations will worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he's the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth will eat and worship. All they that go down to dust shall bow before him and none can keep keep alive his own soul. And seed shall, a seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born that he has done it. So when David began his hallelujah song, it's in a minor key and it's very sad. Again, I'm going to drive this point home tonight. Sing no matter what. Raise a hallelujah no matter what. Even if your God be praised starts this way. God, it feels like you've forsaken me and I'm surrounded by enemies on all sides. The point is sing. Because that is the place of breakthrough. And it doesn't even matter if you know how to finish the song because Jesus knows how. (laughs) Raise that song of hallelujah in desperation. It, it, It can be a place of fear, a place of chaos, a place of doubt. And if you'll just keep singing, you'll hear the voice of your beloved begin to take over. And he takes the minor key and he brings in the major lift and he begins to sing the song that only he can finish for you. You talk about breakthrough. Breakdowns in the rearview mirror at that point. But I look at my own life, I look at moments where the breakdown, it's interesting how it looks almost attractive. Like, I think I deserve a breakdown. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what, and everyone would understand if I just got depressed and threw in the towel. Everyone would understand if I walked away. Because they know I've been through it. Isn't it funny how we can talk ourselves into a breakdown? 
But in those moments, if you will just press in, and sometimes pressing in is pressing within. And God, I don't know if I have a prayer of faith. I don't even know. I don't even know right now if I even trust you. But I'm going to sing God be praised. And then he begins to sing. And in that place where I was just sure I was going to just melt into the earth and that was it. His voice takes over. And he begins to remind me of the plans, the promises, the purpose. He said, son, I didn't get you to this place to leave you here. Oh, we're, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Are you going somewhere? I know, I know prevail is, but prevail outside of people is only an idea. Prevail without people is just a dream. It's people that make prevail what it is. It's the same way with dominion. Dominion is just an idea unless there's people. Come on. And so I just wonder if in this house, for this weekend, if we can carry that with us, that we will not let our hallelujah be taken. We will not lay it down, but we will lift up a hallelujah. We will lift up that God be praised. And, and, and this is the challenge, and I'm finished. This is the challenge, is doing it, especially in the moment where you feel like doing anything else. You know what, God, the truth is I'd rather just go eat some dinner and go to bed. I'd rather go eat a gallon of ice cream, take a nap. <laughs> For some of you that haven't lived your whole life in church, just go grab a couple beers and unwind. God, I'm done. And he says, wait, wait a second. Is there anything else you want to say? Is there anything else you want to say? God be praised. Hallelujah. There, there's this song. Um, I, you have to forgive me. My voice is weak. And, but uh, it, this is what was coming up to my mind when we were talking about trusting the Lord during worship. Um, it just goes that I, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. And, it, and they sing it over and over and it continues to lift and the keys begin to change and it takes you up to this place. And then right in the moment where you're like, okay, how many times are we gonna sing this? All the music drops out and you hear this voice, I know that I can trust you. 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 Then all of a sudden you realize everything God is doing in us 
is because we can trust him. It's not my strength, my ability. You know, Fred was touching on it. We sing it proud and arrogant. It is hard to sing a song of trust and be proud about it. It's hard to sing hallelujah and be proud about it. Because hallelujah is, okay, God be praised. It's, it's all on him. It's all about him. I, he is truly the air I breathe, the song that I sing. If it weren't for him, to say I would be a mess would be an understatement. But because of him, because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his mercy that is new every morning. You ever woken up and felt that way? Ooh, thank you for new mercy because I felt like yesterday it was almost out. <laughs> and then brand new, brand new. Wow. Lord, I just thank you for prevail. I thank you for the people here tonight, wherever they are in their journey, maybe, maybe you're in a place right now of burden. Maybe you're in a place of birthing. Maybe you realize, oh, now it's time for breakthrough. Well, I'm, I've, I've given you the keys here because we all sing about breakthrough. Israel Hook wrote a great song about it, Lord of the Breakthrough. You are the Lord of the Breakthrough. Well, where does that breakthrough come? doesn't come from just shouting breakthrough and it doesn't come from acting like our fists are hammers no it comes from a place within our heart and our soul a place where we begin to understand no matter what is happening around me no matter what my struggle no matter what my conflict God be praised I'll raise a hallelujah I won't let anything stop me even if it's a big if, but even if it means that I end up on a cross <laughs> giving my life, I will raise a hallelujah. Lord, I just thank you for prevail. I hear this in the spirit, prevails a house of breakthrough. But now I, I know what you're thinking now because you just heard all this and you're like, I'm not sure I want to be a house of breakthrough. <laughs> Trust me, you do, you do. You do. But a house of breakthrough is marked by worship because they're intimately connected. And so, Lord, I just thank you as you continue to cultivate that atmosphere, that focus, that breakthroughs continue to be released. You know, I hear the Lord just asking right now, maybe you can answer this for yourself. What are the places that you want to see breakthrough right now? Because I know in this room, there are lots of different things represented. Maybe it's for a situation in your family. Maybe it's a situation of health. Maybe it's a situation of finances. Maybe it's just a situation of trust. And when I say just, I don't mean that's a small thing. It's huge. It's a big deal especially when your trust has been violated over and over again. Trust can feel like the end of the world. But where do you want to see breakthrough? For you, for your husband, for your wife, for your family? Can you just hear the voice of the Lord saying, well, this is just what I, 
what I want to see, I want to hear. I, I just want to hear, do you have a God be praised in there? Because I know, I know there's a lot of things to complain about. I know there's a lot of things to be upset about. But is there something bigger than that? Is there something else you want to say? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God be praised. And then begin to see. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's all right. God's in the ridiculousness business. He, he takes things that feel so foolish and he schools the wise with them. What would happen in Prevail Church if for the next four weeks, every time you gathered, the, the focus was the hallelujah of God? And if we have to, we'll remind each other every day. We'll send out text blasts every day. Hey, don't forget your hallelujah. Don't forget, let God be praised. I know you're going through it, but he's there with you. Lord, I thank you for the Giles family, my friends. I thank you for Fred and Aaron, their beautiful kids. Lord, I thank you that they have been faithful to carry burden. They've been faithful to birth. Even in some of those moments, they thought there would be people there with them. Just people, I mean, you thought, well, they'll be there, but Lord, even in some of those moments of disappointment, Lord, I thank you that they birthed and they pushed nevertheless. And Lord, I thank you that they are walking into breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Yes, at the ministry level, but I also see that at the family level. There's some breakthrough coming to the family. Breakthrough coming to, to parents and, 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 and siblings. I just really see that. I sense that. Well, how did all that start? Well, we, didn't we stopped complaining and we started praising. We stopped talking about the situation and we started talking to the one that can handle this situation. And all of a sudden, things began to change. So I just thank you for that. I, I know this house is blessed. I know this people is blessed. But I just want to add my, whatever it's worth, my extra little blessing on top. Lord, I thank you for the house that is prevailed. I thank you for the people that make this house real that make it something more than an idea. Lord, I thank you that the, for the impact this house is gonna have on this city, on this region. Lord, I thank you that Prevail will continue to find its bones, will continue to find its support system, will continue to find pillars that will come in, those who will be a strength to the house. Lord, I thank you for brand new, fresh converts. Is that all right if I pray that, Fred? Are you like me? I get tired of recycling Christians. You know what I'm talking about, where they just jump from church to church because, you know, the worship offends them or the word offended them, and all of a sudden my season's now over. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't leave a church. Don't, don't say what I didn't say. What I'm saying is we've made that too, a lot, uh, eat too easy a lot of times. 
Let's just bring, let's bring in the people that are a fresh, clean slate. And all they know is they were captivated by someone who loved them more than they could imagine. And then they became a part of a local faith community that shows them the same kind of love. Wait, you mean to tell me that church can actually be people that look like the Jesus we talk about? You know what? It is possible. That it's not just another system to get plugged into, but it's a family to share life with. Lord, I, I believe that. I, that is the heart of prevail. And so Lord, I just thank you that it's blessed. I thank you that it's blessed. I thank you that it's blessed. Thank you, Lord. Can I share just one word? Just one. And it's one I've sat on for like a year. And I've submitted it to Fred more than once. But it's for Sade. I was wondering when the time would come. When the time would come. So this, this is what I hear in the Spirit. Is you're coming into a season of being baptized into your sonship. Baptized into your sonship. Your weothesia ceremony. Weothesia, it's, it's the Greek, it just means the placement of sons. Your experience in life and ministry has been very much acquainted with the, the backwards baptism, being set free from your past and then coming up into new life. But so much of what you've dealt with is still what's behind you. But there's another baptism. The weothesia are baptized forwards, meaning now it's time to represent your father. So I hear the Lord saying, you're free from the past, but now he's ready. It's time to point you forward, forward, forward with your gifts, your talent, your abilities, your dreams, your desires, your family. He's baptizing you forward and he's saying, this is the way to go. And I just see you, it's not like there's no hesitation in it. It's like full steam ahead almost reckless abandon and trust because you know who you are in him. So Lord, I just bless Sade with that word. Lord, I thank you that she's not the sum total of her behavior. She's not the sum total of her past. You cannot be identified by your past. Only by who God says that you are. So I just bless her right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, that's a good word for all of us. You know what I like to say? Don't go fishing in the sea of forgetfulness. You know what I'm talking about? That's what a lot of us do. We'll get a boat out in the sea of forgetfulness and we'll drop our line and say, all this junk I did and you just don't understand and you're fishing in a sea that you can't, you don't even have access to. And what we try to do, we try to show God the proof of what we've done. And God is just as confused. Do you know why? Because he put that stuff there. It boggles my mind, and I'm done. I'm, but I'm floating, but I'm done. It boggles my mind that God has the gift of choosing to forget. Yet he knows all things, but he chooses to forget. So you better be careful when you get in front of God and start whining. Well, God, you know what I'm guilty of. You know what I've done. And he's scratching his head. Well, 
I, just, I mean, I know you're a beloved son and daughter. I know you according to my purpose, but all that stuff, you're a new creation. You're talking about an old dirty dog. I don't even know where that dog is. I think we, I think we buried that dog in the sea of forgetfulness. And now you're a brand new creation. That's a word for all of us. So live like it's true because it is, because it is. Amen. I, I've taken, taken too much time. God bless you guys. Love you so much. Thanks for letting me kick off this amazing weekend. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.